Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, Barbara Roberts has had an illustrious career which encompassed success on Wall Street and also as a serial entrepreneur. Now Barbara has written a white paper which identifies the challenges which entrepreneurs face after they have sold their businesses. Barbara, we'll be discussing your white paper, Life After an Exit, How Entrepreneurs Transition to the Next Stage. But first, I'd like to take you back to the early part of your career on Wall Street. What was that experience like? Well, thank you, Carl. It's a joy to be with you. Well, I started on Wall Street the first year that the New York Times did not do Help Wanted Men, Help Wanted Women. So every single job that I had on Wall Street, I actually was the first woman to have it. So it was quite a journey. Uh, and I ended up um, being uh, on the board of Dean Witter and had a, a 15 years of incredible time, worked a lot with entrepreneurs when I worked on Wall Street, helped them get ready for IPO. So very, it was a, an incredible journey, particularly being motivated to really move the needle for women and women's opportunity. After leaving the Wall Street world behind you, was an entrepreneurial journey then always on the cards? Um, if I look back to my time on working on Wall Street, I always had a responsibility of starting something. So I would say that I definitely was an entrepreneur. And it's also interesting to think back uh, to the mid-80s. And the term and the kind of concept of an entrepreneur actually was not really in existence. Uh, people who are starting companies and doing these incredible innovative things were almost looked as second-class citizens. It was kind. Of, it was a time that if you weren't doing very well in large, multi-global corporations, you weren't taken seriously. So, I always like starting things. Uh, I love just creating new ways of doing things. But I wasn't conscious about that skill until I really found myself in the entrepreneur world. So talk to us about your successes as an entrepreneur and in particular your ability to restructure and build businesses to the point of a sale. Two companies that I'm best known for is one which is FPG which was started as the Freelance Photographers Guild. So I actually in that company rode the incredible journey of photographs being in file cabinets to moving them onto a CD and the internet. But also as part of that company, when I joined in 1990, only white people were in commercial photography. So one of my concepts was to use stock photography and, and create incredible images of multicultural and racial uh, groups of people working together. And from that, we were awarded all sorts of social impact um, honors and was, were actually even saluted in the Clinton White House uh, for showing the true face of America. Uh, but that company actually attracted the attention of Mark Getty while he was actually studying. Uh, I think he went to Oxford and he did a white paper on my company and, and also Bill Gates. And so I had the incredible experience of having Bill Gates and Mark Getty bid on my company. Uh, the company now is part of Getty Images. And then my other company is Acoustaguide. And there again, uh, that's the audio tour company that if you ever go into a museum or historic site, and in that world, when I took over the company, people were walking around museums with large tape recorders. And again, I uh, developed the digital MP3 technology to be able to make much more spontaneous and interesting audio tours. So I would say that sort of the feature of what I do is 
I've found companies that tend to be in existence for a long time. Both those companies were 30 to 50 years old. Uh, Both had a great brand, but they were really being faced with some technology challenges, and that's where I saw the opportunity. I also am passionate about doing social good with anything that uh, I take on in the world, and that certainly was another feature of those experiences. And Barbara, was it your own experience of exiting companies which prompted you to write a white paper about the challenges facing entrepreneurs after an exit? Absolutely. Uh, I personally had an extremely difficult time after I sold uh, my companies, particularly my first company, because there also was, unfortunately, um, two deaths in my family. So it was an overlay of having a difficult personal time, but also selling that company. I realized I was going through something. And then the second, same thing happened when I sold a com- the second company, which was about 10 years later. Um, and then after I sold that company, I actually deliberately went on a three-year journey to study um, everything that had been written or done about the art of reinventing oneself and how one gets through um, challenging kind of uh, it, it challenges to one's identity. And it was just an incredible kind of coincidence that I was doing other work at Columbia uh, university and they Columbia was commissioned by Credit Suisse to do a white paper because some of their financial advisors had seen that entrepreneurs were having difficulty and they also realized that they were having difficulty servicing entrepreneurs that entrepreneurs seemed to have a different attitude about money than was their traditional client who had inherited wealth so Everything came together for me to do this white paper, um, and it was actually one of my favorite. It was my first venture into writing, and it was just being in the right place at the right time and had the personal experience but also had studied the art of reinvention for three years when I was asked to uh, do this paper. So how did you approach that particular research? I've done four public papers like this, and always what we do is I work with my client on the general theme of what we are going to talk about. And so I started that research actually by interviewing over 20 entrepreneurs, men and women, uh, who had sold businesses for at least $20 million in revenues. And in that experience, I was very, very surprised even to hear every man tell me that they had sold their baby, which I thought was kind of a woman's thing, that maybe I had had a difficult emotional time after selling a company because I was just closer to my employees. So that was the first surprise was that both men and women had this difficult experience. And every entrepreneur that I spoke to actually was incredibly happy and relieved to talk to me. They shared with me that I was the first person that they had spoken to that seemed to understand what they were going through. Um, And so I, I did all those interviews, and then I realized that I had studied the cycle of renewal at the Hudson Institute, which says that someone goes through four stages when they're reinventing themselves, And I woke up one morning and I realized that what these entrepreneurs were telling me, that I could could divide the stages into four kind of uh, steps and almost to a person that everyone went through 
of the, you know all four of these stages. At the first stage was uh, the first year or so, very disoriented, but also very focused on going back to learning something. Often redoing one's home, um, going on lots of boards, doing tons of things to fill up time. Then there was this time of weeding and great introspection. And then the third stage was when you actually started testing new things to do. And one of the things that was very clear was that it took entrepreneurs five years typically to get back on their feet. Um, So that was kind of one of the more surprising things that uh, people learned when I shared the work of that paper, that it could take up to five years to really get through the whole cycle of renewal after a sale. That's fascinating. And in terms of an entrepreneur's loss of identity, how does this typically manifest itself and how can it be addressed? Another theme of this paper is that I came to realize is work for everyone actually supplies three things. And what this, I don't, it's even beyond identity. It's sort of like a crisis. And it's really three things that are happening to anyone. Someone who retires, um, even I talk a lot about this, that absolutely everyone during COVID, I think, got a better understanding of what an entrepreneur goes through when they found themselves that one day you were at work and the next day you were told you had to stay home and you, you and just it stopped. So the three things that cause this, this, this orientation is that your work gives you the people to hang out with, Um, Your work gives you how to structure your time, and your work does give your purpose. But I think it's important to realize that this sense of disorientation is actually about all three of those things. For an entrepreneur, most entrepreneurs only know people connected to their work. They're working 24-7, and those are the only people that they're hanging out with. Um, also, if you're an entrepreneur, it's 24-7. It's structuring your time. And, of course, if you're an entrepreneur, solving the problem, innovating, what you, and building your company is your entire purpose. So that's why this disorientation is particularly deep for an entrepreneur, possibly even deeper than if someone's leaving more of a corporate job or a, a different kind of uh, transition. Another issue which exists is how entrepreneurs utilise their newfound freedom after a sale. So how should they spend their time once that sale is behind them? So, you know, going back to those three things that I've just shared is at the root of what this disorientation is about. Even before a sale, um, one should start thinking about the people in one's lives uh, maybe being more deliberate to rebuild new kinds of friendships or, build, or getting involved with other institutions such as you know, church, clubs, or something that just consciously creating a community of people that is outside your work. I think that's very important. Um, also to do some thinking about how you might want to spend your time, particularly in that first year of getting your uh, feet on the ground and really thinking about maybe even going on a retreat or there's even um, sort of gatherings or books that you can read to help you kind of think about what's really important, what can you do, Um, and then just accept that you're going to need to take a year to two to three to really get to know yourself in a new way, that this is actually part of growing, um, that 
every entrepreneur that I've studied eventually gets into an incredibly positive space. And some of my latest work actually has started the studied the longer journey of an entrepreneur. And it's amazing to me how so many entrepreneurs are driven just to fix problems. And within a few years after selling a company, often start something in an entirely different domain uh, that really goes on to solve another problem. So one of my things that I talk about now, particularly in this crazy world we're living in coming out of COVID, it's an incredible time for innovation. So I really encourage entrepreneurs to more consciously think about maybe even bringing someone in to run their company and really cherish that we are unique creatures who really know how to solve and start things. And we have a responsibility maybe to do at least more than one thing in our lifetime. So I have, you know, I think there's a positive way to look at this journey and really seeing it as a movement forward and really getting to your fullest potential. And Barbara, how important is financial planning both before and after the sale of a business? Yeah, I, you know, that is uh, part of the paper I did for Credit Suisse was very much about this, that there was a cultural disconnect between entrepreneurs and uh, wealth advisors. So one thing that I also am an expert on is um, creating great wealth. And it is very much the case around the world that most wealth is still self-created. Um, and when one hears about that, you know, uh, shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations, that too is around the world that families have a difficult time holding on to money. So the first thing that wealth managers have to understand and entrepreneurs themselves have to understand is that typically an entrepreneur puts all of their money back into their business so they are not creating wealth as they're building the company, of uh, liquid wealth. And so I like the idea that Jim Grubman promotes of that someone after the sale of a company is an immigrant to the land of wealth. And like someone coming from a different culture or country to a new place, you don't know who to trust. You're coming face-to-face with an entirely new language. You have no idea what a hedge fund is or a benchmark or asset allocation. Um, And so just like someone who has moved totally from a different country, you have real issues of having to learn, most important, who to trust and accept that you have to learn new language and new principles. And and, uh, that is, we don't talk enough about that, I think, with entrepreneurs to kind of try to learn a little bit about financial planning and certainly doing some estate planning and thinking about how much money you really need uh, after the sale is all part of the kind of thinking that you should do before a sale. And there is often a temptation for entrepreneurs to fall into the investor trap after an exit, but the two roles require different skill sets. So a successful entrepreneur does not always make a good investor. Yeah, that's a, I think that's another theme that came out in this paper. I know there's two things. Uh, that I would, you know, I would highlight about that. Um, one of the myths about entrepreneurs is that we are risk takers. Um, I actually see us as risk controllers. Uh, the way an entrepreneur builds a company is they tend to obsessively look at 
what could go wrong and think about it. And, and they, I think there's almost a myth that if you can think about what can go wrong, then it won't happen. Um, so they, they actually take a controlled risk. And the other thing about an entrepreneur is it t- needs extreme focus on what you're doing. And if you become an investor, certainly the idea of diversification um, is one of the mantras of how to manage money and certainly um, being more comfortable with taking risk and possibly trusting a wealth advisor to um, help to help you select um, investments that you don't really understand. So that is kind of, I think, the you know what is kind of the culture uh, difference between wealth management and the way an entrepreneur approaches money. Um, in my experience, I have met many entrepreneurs who obsessively then tried to teach themselves how to be their own money manager. And as you're suggesting, it doesn't usually um, end up that they do better than someone who's really has their uh, head in that place full time. So, yes, good warning that um, you've got you potentially have to trust some people to help you with, manage your liquid wealth. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Barbara Roberts from the Columbia Business School. And I'd like to thank Barbara for sharing her fascinating research with us this morning. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Southeast.